250 episodes of proving that the internet needs more quality control. Welcome to Hand of Pop. Welcome to the 250th episode of the Internet's Best and Also Worst Argentine Football Podcast. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined for this special edition by English Dan. Hello and welcome. By Tony. Hello everyone. By Andres. Hello. And by special guest Jonathan Wilson. Hello. Welcome back, John. Thank you. Um, we have quite a lot to talk about this week because not only have Argentina played or attempted to play and largely failed... Uh, two matches of international football. There's also been a nearly full weekend of um, Primera División club games, and the AFA have just elected a new president. It was a very tricky choice for them. Um, Indeed. First, Sam, only having one person to choose from. But go on now. First, first I'm going to pose you the question. I think I got asked at least sixty times today on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That was because I left early and um, read it after three p.m. Has Edgar Barça been sacked? Edgar Barça has not been sacked at the time of recording. We can make no promises for what happens during recording or by the time this podcast goes online tomorrow. Uh, but as of right now, no is the answer to that one. Um, we will start, I suppose we have to really, with Argentina against Chile, which was a win. Brilliant. And that's about all you can say about it. Um, what did you gentlemen make of it? Ten points, brilliant. <laughs> Eleven, surely. Eleven. It was amazing. Yeah. I, I, I must, sorry, I, I will be the one who starts talking about it because I am, with along with him, uh, the only Argentinian here. Uh, but I think uh, that I have to mention Chile's improvement uh, among Argentina, uh, which, which did the other, the, other, uh, the other hand, which is... To not to improve, to decrease their levels, but Chile since since uh, Marcelo Bielsa uh, took charge in 2009 or when was it? 2007. 2007. 2007 sorry, uh, they they made their their mentality better, uh, more aggressive, and that made that the other day against Argentina, Argentina was like which took a lot of respect to Chile. And uh, apart from being like uh, with the need of winning the match, uh, how, however, or, or the, the way they, they 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 could, but to win, uh, that made Argentina play the way they played, and Chile with their uh, well different mentality uh, since 2007 uh, made a great paper there, a great uh, play and. May Argentina be worse than we all thought they, they would play? I think that's a little generous on Argentina because, yes. first of all, they set up with a system that I think we all said before the game, that's just not going to work, is it? They came onto the pitch and it didn't work. You had uh, Sergio Aguero as uh, number 10. Where he hasn't been able to play number 10 since at least his Independiente days. 
probably about 10 years ago. And he was just always on, you know, running into Iwain. The team had no creativity, no fluency. They all were just kind of backed up around, you know, the three-quarter mark of the, of the pitch going forward. There was pretty much, I think, apart from Messi's penalty, it's hard to think of any other really clear-cut chances. Well, the other well, one was the, the one... Oh, the, ah, Otamendi's from a set-piece, yeah. Um, and the one that Di Maria had in the first half with um, when Messi released him from the halfway line, yeah. Di Maria had that shot from the edge of the box and I think fairly easily blocked by the goalkeeper. But it was yeah. a chance. So, three decent chances in 90 minutes of football playing at home against the Chile team that won at full strength fever. I think Vidal wasn't playing right. and Valdiviani mm. came on fairly Valdiviani late came on, on. yeah. But uh, that uh, Di Maria chance when Messi uh, assisted from from the half page mm. shows how Argentina played that, that day because Messi had to drop so deep to, to get the ball and there wasn't any fluidity in the, in the way they play mm. I, I still insist that Mascherano is not playing as a number 5 in Barcelona so I don't understand what, why he's still playing as a number 5 in, in the national team and we, we can go on with many other questions about uh, the players and, and their role in the national team but also, even with, if Argentina didn't have the, the creativity that we should expect from players, Chile was very clever, very, very clever to, to understand how Argentina was playing at that time and how to, to attack Argentina, especially in the second half. In the second half, we didn't attack at all. Chile did the, the elementals, which is to pass the ball to, the, to their teammates, <laughs> which Argentina didn't. <laughs> And in fact, the, the mentioning Mascherano and Messi in the same breath as Tony just did, the thing that I found interesting about that Di Maria chance was that it was Mascherano lost the ball with a fairly simple, what should have been a fairly simple sideways pass to Lucas Biglia, or I think it was to Lucas Biglia, um, which got intercepted and Messi immediately was in there, nicked the ball off the guy who just intercepted it and then released Di Maria. I mean, Messi really was doing everything, including the stuff that you'd normally expect Mascherano to be doing, getting the ball and releasing it to a teammate. Um, and yeah, it was it was frustrating to watch you know, from the stands as I was from the press box, um, and the press conference afterwards was probably more interesting and more entertaining certainly than the. Oh, I was. It was hard to yeah. listen to. Um, really bad. There, there was a, a elderly journalist sitting just behind us. Uh, Peter was also there, and we sat together at the press conference. And uh, when when the first question went in, you know, how, how would you rate this? And obviously, by this time, we'd all seen the quote already that he'd given Tay say as he was coming off the off the pitch, ten out of ten. And he said, uh, oh, "I don't think we played a good game. I think we played a brilliant game." And the guy behind us went, "Way no, just under his breath." <laughs> I think to be honest, if Bowser does end up losing his job before the next round of qualifiers, which is in August. It's going to be because of the Chile game more than the Bolivia game. Well, the Bolivia game is improvement. Yeah, they've actually played better in Bolivia than in Chile. And you say, you know, whatever the result, you know, obviously losing 6 ones um, extreme, but if you lose in La Paz to Bolivia, you think, all right, fair enough, it, it happens. But the game in Chile, against Chile was, was really awful. I don't think you can play like that as the home team if you're Argentina. With all kind of the... The tools at your disposal and um, no, players you've got to, to pick, and uh, and as you say, the, the the choice of Aguero. I mean, obviously he he was put in to, to replace Dybala, who's who's not exactly a pure number ten himself. But 
Aguero's now, at least, a centre-forward. Higuain was the centre-forward as well, and so you're putting Aguero onto whatever player's the <coughs> second striker to make different mm. runs from Higuain, and both of them, every time Messi got the ball on the left and starts cutting inside, they're both running into the same bit yeah. of the pitch, constantly. I mean, it was you had two players on the pitch, but Messi only had one passing, passing option from the, from the two of them. Well, I think um, I read that... Um, Valley, you would assume, having I've, I've not seen a lot of Juventus, but I'm guessing that since he plays alongside Higuain for his club, so much that they dovetail the rather more effectively. <laughs> yeah. No, I read after the game that Aguero in his 55 minutes, I believe he had in the Monumental, touched the ball 16 times. If you're number 10 and, supposed, and supposedly the creative focal point for your team, that's not really very but good. But it's just the same old problem, isn't it? Trying to ram too many forwards into the same side. And the, same, the problem is the same forwards. These are the same forwards that were around in 2011 when Savela came in and did. That was the last renewal of this team because he brought in this uh, attacking trident of Messi, Guayna, Guido that worked at his time with Di Maria kind of a much more mobile force you know doing the running you know box to box but there's been no progress in Senna we've had how many three different coaches and it's pretty much the same game plan Bowser's come in and he's not tried to stamp his own identity on the team at all yeah. it's the same team the same players who were good in the moment but now it's time for a change, I think. I was yes. reminded yesterday of um, on Twitter. Let me remind me personally, but it popped up on my timeline um, of Aguero's quote just after the Copa America when they, last year's sorry Copa America centenario. Your misses when we're done. Exactly, your misses when we're well, At least give us a chance to miss but it for fucks. <laughs> and it turns out that the managers consistently that Argentina have had since Savela have um, happened to agree with him. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, are they just too scared to take them out? You know, but well, it can't be that, can it? Because it's not as if the public backlash would be enormous if we were to drop Iguain and Aguero. I just, so I don't see how you can ever be... play the two of them together. It just makes no yeah. sense to me. I don't for see start, any system. Ridiculous. That, I mean, okay, maybe you could play them together if you're playing some kind of very sort of British style four four two. If Messi didn't exist, which I guess he doesn't now. Um, and I guess, I guess actually okay maybe that is what you do you play a very very blockish 4-4-2 you leave them up front you, you leave Di Maria to, to, to sort of close that gap talking about Di Maria and Inter Perez running the lines in. but that's a really sort of, it seems such a waste of such, such a great generation of players <laughs> that would be I mean, a pity ha- having said all this it's a hugely important win I mean Chile, Chile, yeah, did, Chile were game. against Venezuela on um uh, I've got no idea what day of the week it is. Tuesday it's night. It's Wednesday now. It yeah, but it's Tuesday yeah, then the game. I mean, I know it was 3-1 and I know Venezuela had that chance that hit the bar and maybe went in, maybe it didn't. But they could have won that sort of 8-9-0. It was, they were sensational in that game. Against Venezuela, to be fair. Against Venezuela, Venezuela they should. But yeah. you know, it shows the sort of attacking quality they have and the, um, the sort of cohesion and the unity they have which yeah, goes back to what you were saying about the, the way they've played yeah. since 2007. They have some coherent things. That we just to choose coaches that follow a line because, because after real side was well, Borgi, which is not, I think, not the same, but then some Paulo Not on the same level, but you could see what Borgi had to do other problems with discipline, yeah. with, you know. But I mean, certainly the Bielsa, San Paoli, Pizzi, that lineage is, is very clear. Uh, to go back to, to, to what Dan said about the, the renewal, uh, it can be clear uh, for uh, what I saw in these uh, qualifiers that the only uh, time that this Bowser team played well, except 
maybe some flashes against Bolivia and Colombia. Um, I remember that night at Venezuela when Prato was up, up, uh, up top with Lamela and Gaetan. I don't want to make a case of Lamela and, and to be uh, uh, criticized for, for being a Tottenham fan, but those two played very well because, in my opinion, they were playing for the team. Sometimes I, I feel like Aguero and Di Maria especially wants to carry on and, and keep uh, Leo Messi from having all the burden of the um, attack um, uh, playing, you know? And maybe that's what we need to, to have players to, to be more cohesive like Chile does, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, or, or Uruguay and Brazil. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, Lamella, I mean, Lamella's been out all season with the hip problem. Yeah, he's he'll be out all season. And, and he's, oh, he won't be coming back this season. I, mean, I guess Lamella might have played if it hadn't been for the hip problem, which has kept him out all season. And yeah, we now find out he has to have an operation on this hip, and he's going to be out until at least the start of next season. So yeah, he's not. I mean, maybe he is the answer by by August, but but not before then. So it's going to be Marco Sagonia then, after his very impressive cameo on on Tuesday. Indeed. What, what, generally speaking, obviously, John, you missed uh, the Chile game. Yeah, I just saw the highlights afterwards, but uh, I saw the Bolivia game. But I mean, I, so, I think you're so being a bit generous about that game, right? I thought, I, I grasp that it's very difficult to play in the past. I understand that. But if you're a team like Argentina, hmm. you know, it, it's not, they're not Venezuela, they're not Peru, you know, they're not Bolivia. Uh, just hold the ball. The, the least tiring way yeah. of playing is to have the ball. Oh, no, completely. And yet they, they set up, it wasn't just they failed to hold the ball, they set up in a way they were never going to hold the ball. Uh, and that just—it was obvious after you know, ten, fifteen minutes that mm -hmm. every time we got rid of it, it was just coming back and coming back and coming back. And you saw Bolivia growing confidence. And by the time the goal came, it sort of felt, felt inevitable. For no, them. it was always going to come, yeah. And, and, yeah. and even even within that context, you know, the the goal was pathetic. It was a really—it was, okay, was a good cross. It was a really good header. But Roncalio was really weak going for the header. Romero started start to come, stopped. And I have a little bit of sympathy with him because maybe he made the right decision to stop, but then he slipped, and so he, he's then just sort of not there. But yeah, yeah, he's he made it easy for them by by that indecision, the, the, the sort of hesitation which leads to the slip. And then the second goal is Roncalli not being strong enough in the challenge. Yumasachi has to go across, and not not his fault. He has to cover. Doesn't get there, and then nobody else there. Nobody else in the box. Where I just when, don't when understand where, where game, was everybody? Uh, when the entire game, game was to sit deep, form a line on the penalty spot. And yeah, say right, try and get past it. <laughs> so I, I, th I, mean, I thought it was a. I mean, if that was better than the the Chile performance, well, I, and, and I think it was better than the Chile performance because they managed to create more than they did against Chile. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, the last, spirit after the came it's, on, the last twenty minutes they they played okay, but they should have been playing that that sort of football yeah. from the start, holding the ball. Mm. Well, I'd say it's, there were a couple of bright spots, more for the players who came in and did kind of give a good account of themselves than, than for the overall result. I thought uh, I mean, this, this feels was, to me like, was yeah. impressive, Acuna was impressive. It's like, it's like being a Sunderland fan this season and, oh, we yeah. only got beat 2 0 Evan, we didn't play that bad. He was like, oh, it's okay. It, it seems like that mentality. Yeah. This, you know, Argentina are not Sunderland. And this, we said Everton don't play at 10,000 feet either. But, you know. well, <laughs> Liverpool, 10,000 feet. Sorry. It's, it's comparable. But <laughs> I, I think that both games um, showed what is wrong with Argentina in two different sides. Uh, against Chile, we didn't create, we didn't have the ball at, at any time. Uh, in, 
only when when Messi had the ball and remember that he's Messi and do his magic tricks. But other than that, we didn't create any chances. And to be honest, the, the penalty for me at least it wasn't a penalty. And then again against Bolivia and as any other game uh, when we visit and when we play away, that the defense was shambles all, all the way. And I can remember the goal against Venezuela too, just to remember one. The I guess that Funes Mori slipped too, and Romero didn't have a chance at all. And that happens with with Argentina when playing away. That the the defense is nowhere to be seen. Yeah. It's so good. that's something that you should expect from Balsa to to and it was supposed to be his strong side, the defense, as a as a coach and. It, uh, given the, the the chance that Caruso had to come in and Funes was injured, and so it was almost people that never played together, never in his life. But uh, again, uh, Argentina playing away the uh, defense is. This is I think this is one. You know, I think this is a really fundamental issue, not just for Argentina but for everybody. If you appoint a coach like Bowser, whose whose expertise is sort of mm. organization, team spirit, being being tough. Mm-hmm. The problem you have at the national level is you don't have any time with the players. No. So it's a totally different skill to set up a team for, for international football. You have players for four or five days, then a game, then two or three days, then a game, to what it is for, for you know, having players together for a season where you can work with them day after day after day after day. Um, so that's not to say Baus is a terrible coach. It's just to say his skill is not necessarily transferable. And I, I think just because somebody's been a great defensive coach at club level, there's no there's no reason to expect that to transfer yeah, exactly. immediately. And but it may be come a tournament when he does have two or three weeks, he can do that. Yeah. But to expect him to do it for qualifiers, it's it's very very different. Another yeah. thing that that I thought was you know another it wasn't exactly touted as a speciality, but another thing you'd expect him to be fairly au fait with is managing a team at altitude. I mean, he spent two years at LDU Yukita. Yeah, but then you have the altitude all no, the time. It's not yeah, it's yeah, there. The altitude is your advantage. It's yeah, but yeah. I'm guessing he made some signings. I'm guessing he had to, you know, help people to acclimatise in some way during yeah. that period. I mean, he took was it, I think uh, San Lorenzo to Real Potosi. That was mm-hmm. the game they won up there, and they did all right. Yeah, and yeah. I want to come back to, to slightly different level. I'm, I'm Sorry, but I want to come back to to what uh, just said. What about if Bausa is gone? Uh, we can expect uh, people again because of my connection to, to Tottenham that think about Pochettino and Pochettino clearly is a, is a club man he had to be to, to use a lot of training to get acclimatized to, to uh, his mentality we don't have really any actually uh, more than a coach uh, someone that can select and make 11 people click and yeah. that's really hard to get Jorge San Pablo is the only plausible candidate surely you're right what just said well, today <laughs> because I know I'm sure that a few listeners are going to be thinking this as they're hearing this it's worth mentioning in case they're not aware that Diego Simeone gave an interview last week and said that the national team job was one that he wanted to keep for the end of his career um, so he is not an option until then basically. Well, well, Simeone you're going to have the same problems as with Balsa it's a guy who likes to Form his teams from the back and work forward. Yes and no, but very I, similar I mean, kind of kind of coach. But also with with Simeone, I think there'd be a little bit less of a sense that maybe the players don't entirely respect him. 
you know, with Bowser, that was a fairly easy impression to get, no, particularly in the first couple of years. For the dressing room, I think it's very hard to gauge. No, of course it is, yeah, but I, mean, it, I can't but be, really I think you're right, I think Simeone is a more, it's a more forceful person, more obviously charismatic person. But, you know, obviously he's not going to, yeah, probably what, one more year that that echo? And then he's going to go to a to really, really, really highly paid job, whether yeah. it's Inter, which would seem logical, or to, there, to the yeah. Premier League, which seems like less likely. But you know, he, he's absolutely at the apex of his yeah. career now. This mm-hmm. is where he's got to yeah. get the cash and win the Champions League. Mm-hmm. He's not going to go to a national team. It's, I think the most remarkable thing he achieved at Atletico Madrid, uh, perhaps because he has already played there, is that he made, made the players to say, I belong to Atletico Madrid. It's like to feel they are Atletico Madrid. The, the players, they belong there. And to feel that for Argentina, that shouldn't be enough, uh, necessary because Argentinian players all the time say that they are Argentinian and they come to play for Argentina uh, because they want to, not only because of the wages. I do think that in some cases, and I mean, especially when you get... Again, going back to Aguero's quote, you'll miss this one when gone. It's sort of, you kind of start to think that he started to take his own place in the team for granted. So it's not necessarily that he's not proud to play for Argentina and, and that he doesn't realise what it stands for, but he does expect to be in the squad when he gets called yeah. up. I'm not even so, sure it's even just that. I mean, I, I think it doesn't matter how patriotic you are and how proud you are to, to wear the national shirt, I don't know, whatever country it is, if things are going badly and you're getting grief all the time and things aren't going well, there's a little bit you think. Do I really want to be here? Yeah. And you know, you, suddenly that little hamstring strain that you could probably play through, you think, oh, you know what? I might just stay in here rather than going flying all the way home. And there you have Carlos Tevez, the great philosopher of the Argentine game, who said that the national team cheapens players. You know, yeah. That it's it's not really worth it. <laughs> and so yeah, you're sort of left thinking, right? So, who are the options? What do we need from a manager? And the answer, I don't have a clue. Again, going back to Chile. It's a bit early to judge Tapia Zaffa, right? He's been in he's been in charge for four hours. I, I see. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I read something which is obvious. Perhaps it feels obvious, but it is like that. That the players are good, but the group or the team is like burnt. It's like uh, you you know that they when they will, they play for Argentina that they will play like this. And it, yeah, it's a team that's going through the motions more than anything. Mm. You're not really expecting anything. Uh, too dramatic, too, too unpredictable. It's, yeah, it's a team that looks for Messi, and when Messi isn't there or Messi's not at the top of his game, it's when Messi's another really point of, of this. Podcast. Yeah, well. So what we have heard regarding Bowser so far today, since the AFA elections, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, um, is that he is under the microscope, bajo la lupa, and. Uh, Actually looked up what Lupa meant for the magnifying glass. Magnifying glass. Previously, always understood the, the phrase, but never actually bothered to look for the exact definition. Um, Daniel Akilisi uh, was said by a Boca vice president, I think it was, or by one of the other AFA people the other day on the radio, um, to have when Boca travelled to Seville uh, earlier the, in the year to have approached San Paoli about the job. You know, obviously, by that point already knowing that he was going to be vice president of the AFA by well today, as it happens, um, that was dismissed by Angelisi. He said that that's not true, but that obviously they do get on fairly well, which is interesting given that Sam Pelli has a fairly close relationship with River, and Angelisi doesn't seem like the most River-friendly person in the world. But there we go. Um, and uh, one thing that Tapia and Angelisi have, have sort of 
at least allowed us to understand, let's say, if not actually said outright, is that they're going to go pretty hard for Sampaoli at the end of the Spanish season, no, Dan, you were saying? Yeah, pretty um, much. And so, I'll let you explain this, because you actually pointed out to me uh, last night on Twitter why uh, the finances are going to be a little bit easier than they were back in August when Bowser got the job by virtue of not being as expensive as Jorge Sampaoli. Yeah, a little easier, but not particularly easy either. Uh, when Sampaoli when Sampaoli left Chile, he signed a contract. It was a really, really contra- um, complicated kind of exit contract, if you will. I mean, he had to give up holidays, compensation claims, all sorts of things, and a seven million euro clause was put in. Um, for any team who wanted to to sign him before the 2018 World Cup, mm-hmm. when Sevilla, and that was any any, any team, team at all, because yeah. I thought that was any national team. It so what I read, it's any team at all. Cool. When Sevilla um, signed him at the start of this current season, when Emery left, they took on that uh, that commitment. They paid the Chile FA and. And they seven million euros, and said, "Right, what we're going to do?" So this bastard doesn't bugger off to Argentina at the first, uh, the first call. Uh, we're going to put this same clause in his contract. We're basically buying that clause from him. Mm-hmm. Um, what that clause reduces to one point five million dollars at the end of the current season. It's still a lot of money, and Sabali's contract ends in June two thousand nineteen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Argentina can't wait till June 2018 because they're theoretically going to be playing the World Cup. Yeah. So if they're going to go for him, it has to be after the 30th of June 2017, which that is when this clause expires and they can get him for the cut price deal of 1.5 million. And 7 million euros is an amount of money that the Africa can only dream of. Oh, it's a hell of a lot of money. One and a half million dollars a is yeah. just about gettable, maybe, with Marcelo Tinelli as the new secretary of national yeah, teams. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see, obviously... Um, Turner Fox or Fox Turner I can never remember which one comes first in this strange little partnership I think Fox. Fox I think is the first Fox Turner there we go um, have come in with uh, a great deal of money to screen Argentine football in fact I've read other uh, breakdowns of this I can't remember where or from who but saying they haven't really got a hope in hell of recouping their money that they've been stitched up by the AFA because the chance of people buying enough decoders to, um, to kind of recoup this they said they want they need 20 million subscribers by the 20 time million subscribers no 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 and they need what wasn't clear is whether it's 20 million new subscribers or 20 million of the current people who've got whatever direct TV coming what I read was 20 million is ridiculous yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, Premier no, League is yeah. 1.5 million yeah. no it's and about it's, it's what a third I of the country <laughs> no, <laughs> no because the other thing is they've only got the domestic rights they've not got the international ones included in this deal at least so what I read is they need 10% of the households that already have uh, basic cable okay. package, which is about, yeah, 2 million, something like that, mm. which is very difficult as well. 2 million, oh, that's very difficult. Yeah, I just misread yeah. the numbers. Yeah, that's, yeah that if you hear sums 2 million, 300 pesos a month, mm. 3,000, yeah, it's, it's about there with a couple yeah. of with advertising. Still that. sounds really optimistic to me. Very, very optimistic, <laughs> yeah. This article that I read basically said that really not got because I mean yeah, it's, it's not that difficult to get for free right no 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 of course yeah there's, there's ways around it yeah. so plus the problem is uh, say you're a you're an average football fan you're only really interested in 
in Boca or River or Racing or your team, you already go to the stadium. You go two home games a month, and then the other away games, you go to a bar, you have a coffee that costs 30 pesos, and you save him, you save him to but, but, in fairness, but in fairness, I mean, in in those terms, you're talking what? How many people go to a river home game? So sixty thousand people. Let's say if River set out the ground yeah. every single week, which yeah, okay. In terms of at least their own ticket sales, they do even if people don't turn up. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be their sort of upper limit. So if you're talking the big five, to be really kind to the after, let's say sixty thousand multiplied by five, which is mm. three hundred thousand. You're taking that, so yeah, okay, that is a fairly sizable chunk of two million, isn't it? So yeah, it could make a difference. Just from people going. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. To be honest, if you know the average football fan has very little interest in any game apart from his own clubs. Yeah. I think uh, the better way to do it would have been to you know to explore kind of uh, this video on demand, video via cell phones, and sort of. Which is going to be launched in the new year. You reckon? Um, yeah, well, that's what they say, that Netflix of football yeah. for twice the price of the cable subscription, otherwise people will just use that instead of the cable. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so it's going to be 600 pesos a month. Anyway, we've, looking into it anyway, we've drifted a little from the point. So I mean, the, the other, with this TV money, there might be some for San Paoli. Yeah. But, I mean, the other complicatory factor with San Paoli is what if Barca won him? I, mean, I, I, I think it's yeah. 50-50 whether the first choice is Sampaoli or Valverde but mm. he's definitely very much in that conversation yeah and it's I think it's even right? it's between Sampaoli Valverde and the assistant coach Eusebio no Eusebio's a real coach the, uh, Luis Enrique's number two number Eusebio. two Eusebio Unzue Unzue is Eusebio his first name? I don't know. Either I'm not of the sure. Two people that you're arguing. I only knew about. Knew so Eusebio uh, played played in uh, Coit's Barca team in the late eighties. Yeah. I might be getting confused with Eusebio Sacritan. Anyway, in, once again, we're, we're drifting from the point. Yes. Um, <laughs> so let's let's pretend the, the unimaginable happens, and then the Alpha don't want Bowser to stay in charge, but also can't afford San Paoli, or San Paoli mm. says no. Options then. Gashando, maybe, but River get a vote on the AFA so they can basically say, no, you're not going to approach Gashando at least while he's contracted to us, and that's until December. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gashando, Coca. But then again, I mean, like, a- a- anybody contracted to a relatively big and successful club in Argentina at present isn't going to get approached in the first place because the, that club's directors will say to the AFA, I'm not happy with you approaching him. So they're kind of forced to go for somebody who's abroad. Is, is Gareca out of the picture? I mean, he seems to be doing a pretty good job with Peru. I think, yeah. If Peru are mathematically out of the running by... Well, actually, they'd have to be mathematically out of the running now, wouldn't they? Which they're not, so... No, still not. But, but I mean, surely the, the lure for him would be sufficient, wouldn't it? I mm. mean, yeah, you think so. You think so. Peru is four points behind the, the, the playoff zone. Yeah. So they are expecting. But if he joined Argentina, he'd be in the playoff zone and <laughs> managing his own country. So, no other suggestions. Yeah. Ramon Diaz. There, there are there are no coaches. Honestly, there are no coaches. Yeah, it's in, I mean there, there are several to choose from at the elite level, but none at the more realistic level. Really, once you rule out, as I say, the the ones who are currently managing in Argentina and therefore presumably aren't going to be approachable by the AFA. I would say, um, but that's, that's just the problem when you try to appoint a coach in the middle of a qualifying series. Mm. Yeah, it's, no, well, it's a bad time. Yeah. To do. I mean, at least, at least as it's, we were moving into European summer, so people do become available. But mm. you know, international contracts run tournament to tournament, so 
I suppose they could hope like hell that Guardiola just decides <laughs> City's not worth it and that he actually wants to do what he often claims in interviews and try managing Argentina. Do you know but, when uh, does Peckerman contract end with Colombia? Because that's another... That must be at the end of the World Cup. World Cup, yeah. yeah. That would be the only thing that makes sense. Um, so, uh, to resume, or, or to, to, to summarise, um, Chile was a, a win that Argentina didn't deserve at all, and Bolivia was a defeat that they very much did deserve, and that leaves them... Oh, shit, I'm not on the table. Fifth uh, where is it? place. It leaves them in fifth place with... Where is it? Come on. Uh, Brazil, by the way, have become, with Peru's come-from-behind, slightly surprising win over Europe. Oh, it was a cracking time. game, by the way. I Fantastic know it was like match. one o'clock in the morning, but I actually enjoyed it. Oh, it was brilliant. Really good match. Um, and that, that means that obviously with Uruguay and Argentina playing each other in the next round of games um, in Montevideo in August, uh, that they can't both get maximum points from their remaining matches, which means that Brazil are the first team to qualify for Russia 2018. Anyway, the world. Well, Russia didn't qualify, did And I guess what's happened with Brazil is sort of, that's what gives Argentina hope, right? Mm. Yeah, but basically, they, they changed their coach, got in the, what was manifestly the right man having... Yeah spent 10 years having manifested the wrong men yeah. and it turns out you point the right coach those players it's, are it's, it's sensationally what, good so Argentina just have to get rid of their dunga and get in their team I think that's harsh on Bowser. I mean he has one stuff whereas Dunga never this is true this is true I mean, he, and he dresses better than Dunga and he's less of a prick than Dunga <laughs> yes he's definitely less of a prick than Dunga Again, which that, is not saying it's a low bar to clear yeah. but um, but no it's, it's, also, it's, it's also, kind of, it also kind of underlines um sort of how lacklustre Bowser's Argentina have been because they were appointed at basically the same time and when Argentina were looking at a far stronger I think Argentina was second in the table weren't they back in August mm-hmm. yeah. um, and Brazil were fifth or sixth and, yeah you know, fifth. since then we've taken nine six, points from six seven. games I think eight games in a row was uh, yeah. we, we did it the first and they time crashed out of the Copa America they were looking terrible um, so yeah Anyway, uh, so Brazil are top of the South American group with 33 points. Colombia have 24, which gives you an idea of how much better Brazil have been since appointing TT. Uh, Uruguay are third with 23, ahead of Chile on goal difference, and Argentina are fifth with 22 points. Ecuador have 20, um, and of course are Argentina's opponents in the very last round of games in Quito, which is at is the moment... Is it definitely going to be in Quito, not in uh, Gashikil? It's going to be in Ecuador, you're right. <laughs> Ecuador have, um, apparently there are some conversations about them not playing home games in Quito really? anymore, because the altitude is not that much of an advantage, because they've got so many players now playing abroad anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, If I was there, there's nowhere with them, I guess, anywhere <laughs> in Quito. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, that of course is, is going to be the... Um, uh, the match in which at present it looks like Lionel Messi is yeah. going to be returning from suspension in. Uh, Lionel Messi's suspension is a bit of a weird one. That's <laughs> an interesting given, thing, given actually. Given that the, the match official said, uh, we kind of got the impression he was you know, just frustrated with himself and he wasn't really insulting us. And given that that's what Messi said just today, well, in the AFA statement, uh, which came out today... Mm. Um, but FIFA decided, no, he was definitely swearing at the linesman, even though the linesman was going, no, I don't think he was. <laughs> but, but this just seems bizarre to me. And then right? they give him the maximum suspension for basically not only his first offence, you know, in, in, in the recent past, but his first offence really in sort of offence of this nature in 12 years of professional football. I can't remember him having any kind of record for well, this football. Well, I mean, there does seem to be some attempt to crack down on, on abuse at 
match officials, which in itself is, is, is a good yeah. thing. And Gary Medell and um, Valdivia both got four game bans last year, mm. but that was instances where they were red carded during the game. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's two things, three things that I think are wrong about this. One is, um, why is this only applying in, in common bowl games? Like, <laughs> I've never heard of this in, in, in Europe. This is, I mean, I, so I don't know what la concha de tu madre means. This is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if, if if this is a you know a global crackdown, mm. then it needs to be announced, made really really clear at the start of qualifying, and then fair enough. You know, you know what the rules are, and yeah. if you fall foul of them, it's your own stupid fault. But if this is sort of arbitrarily applied in certain confederations and others, that seems bewildering. The second thing is, if a referee hasn't taken action during the game. I think it's a really worrying precedent that opposing teams can sort of, I mean, if if Chile did do this, I know they've now denied it, can sort of turn up with a video and go, oh, look, look, he, he, he swore, sir, 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 he swore. Yeah. Yeah. You'll you oh. end up with 10 players being suspended every game. Well, it's like, it's, 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 it's all the time. In yeah, actually. Is, is, is this what yeah. video analysis is going to be? Rather than looking at how Big the other problem. team take corners, you're going to go through who you're playing next and work out if any of them swore during the previous yeah. game. Funny thing that, especially in South America, uh, we have the, like any other place with TV, I guess, uh, the, the microphones around the, 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 the pitch and you, you heard. All the time, all the time, and you can understand who or or identify who said it because you you know the voices. Even the the the, the keeper, I I remember. uh, I think it was uh, an estudiante de la plata keeper that keeps swearing Navarro. They keep swearing to the players when we're doing the the wall for a free kick. Why didn't take action there? You're supposed to understand that when you're saying. Get there, like on Chetumare, you, yes. yeah. it's yeah. a direct insult to, to, yeah. to a teammate. It's, it's all strange, <laughs> it's all strange because uh, he didn't receive a card, the referee didn't understand what he said because he's from Brazil and he didn't understand the concha de tu madre. And apart from but, that, again, sorry, I, I said this to Ale, my, my girlfriend, last night, and her response was bollocks. <laughs> Brazilians understand that phrase, right? I mean, if, if the referee said that he didn't understand it, then that really is... I understand that phrase. Exactly. My Spanish is awful. Yeah. After <laughs> a lifetime of direct... So, no, yeah, if you're a referee games, in South America, you've never Argentina heard that. Team, Argentine team, Argentine team, Uruguayan team. So my point is, if, if, the, yes. if the referee says, oh no, we didn't understand it, then that's really just another way of saying, you know, we didn't really care. Because yeah. clearly they understood it. But anyway, which is more even more strange than that is that Messi didn't cover his mouth when he saw the time with yeah. his mouth, mouth covered. Uh, that's really strange. And, and of course, there are people saying that yeah, he didn't on, pur- on purpose. I don't think so. Strange thing is, it was so unnecessary as well. He was fighting for a throw-in in the 92nd minute of a game in which Argentina had already won. Mm. <laughs> Why? I mean, you didn't really need to react like I, that. I know, yeah, the, the third thing I think is wrong about it is like, to announce it on the day of the game. Oh, that was yeah. ridiculous. I, 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 know, I know that you know it was you know, the statement was released about five and a yeah. half hours before kickoff. I, I understand that the affair were told earlier that morning. No, still, no, did you not see the interview with Armando Perez? No, he found out live at the time. Sports. Really, he was doing an interview because I, I I knew before the five and a half hours. So he was speaking to to TSA and they're saying, "Look, Armando, this has just come on the FIFA website. It looks like it's official." Ah, right, well. If it's on the FIFA website, we I probably mean, shouldn't believe it, but we've been told nothing. I think they've been told. I mean, he, he might be saying they he haven't be, been told officially, no. but... He I, might be I, playing the full, but they, he, if he was playing the full, he'd done it really, really they, well. They've been 
they've been warned it's going to happen. But anyway, <laughs> whether it's five and a half hours or eight and a half hours or, yeah. or however many hours, if you're measuring it in hours, it's not enough. No. It's ridiculous. You, know, you, you have to give the team time to, to, to adjust their plans, to prepare for it. So, yeah, for those three reasons, it seems to me a very, very strange yes. business. But it's surely going to come down on appeal, right? Well, why? I mean, Medell and Valdivias didn't. Mm. I don't know if they appealed, but I mean, if, if four games is the tariff for swearing and you convicted them of swearing, well, minimum of which two. you manifestly did. Minimum of two. But how is it different four. from Medell or Valdivia? I mean. I don't know, I can't yeah, remember what they I said. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, if, 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 I were, if I were Chile, I'd be very, very annoyed if it suddenly gets reduced because Medells and Valdivias didn't. But I, yeah, it's. It's such a you know to to miss a quarter of the qualifiers for swearing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, mm. what what's Neil Taylor going to get for that tackle on Seamus Coleman? Yeah. Two games, three games. It's not going to be four. It's one game like, until it goes to committing. That's only one game. Yeah. When Sandro Ricci awarded that penalty, uh, that wasn't penalty. That wasn't a penalty. Uh, the Maria, we all thought, or at least I thought, well, FIFA wants Argentina to be in the World Cup, <laughs> and after this, after the ban, we say, well. Perhaps it's not like that. Indeed. Um, I, I know it's difficult to kind of for uh, South Americans to appreciate, but not everything is a conspiracy. Like I've some heard of people make mistakes. I've heard a brilliant conspiracy around there, Messi. It's all down to uh, date Diego Maradona. He's out for revenge because uh, the AFA included Tinelli in their list. He hates Tinelli. He resigned from FIFA on yesterday, I believe. And Did his he? revenge was. Yeah. He had his resignation day in Fandina. <laughs> that, that was a... And his revenge is getting Messi suspended for four games. So it's because Mar- Maradona's really really influence over FIFA is notoriously of profound. He's, so, yeah. he's there with in Fandina. <laughs> so his party shot was... He was there for about two weeks. Yeah. Apparently he handed it and in his resignation on either Monday or Tuesday when it became clear that after, that they weren't going to remove Tinelli from, from national team director. <laughs> That's it. Because he wasn't going to work with Tinelli, you know, liaising in his super important job as FIFA ambassador. What a man. <laughs> and now he's what taking revenge on Messi, getting him out for four matches. Indeed. Beat that conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure we can. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say after that. That's, uh, well, let's move on to that. club football one. Let's, let's just, first of all, though, um, before we do, we've got Uruguay away in August, followed by Peru at Peru home, home. followed yeah. by Venezuela at home, followed by Ecuador away. Um, so the matches that currently Messi is going to be suspended for um, are Uruguay away, which is uh, eye-popping, um, especially the way Argentina are playing at the moment, and then two home games, which normally you would say, well, Argentina are going to beat Venezuela and Peru at home, of course they are, but then a few months ago we were going, yeah, of course they'll beat Paraguay at home, and then they lost to them. Um, sorry, but so having, watched, sorry, having watched Paolo Guerrero yesterday, I don't say it's easy. Because Peru, mm. well, their strikers are... Precisely. So we have... Okay, Venezuela are, are the group whipping boys. Yes. Um, but Peru are starting to hit some form. They're looking like they're improving a bit. Guerrero, I think, is going to be suspended. Didn't he get yellow carded no. last night? Um, well, if he's suspended, he's going to be suspended for the first game, not the second game. True. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. Um, so Peru are dangerous opponents... But the saving grace for Argentina, really, given the way they're playing, and you can't even say, oh yeah, even without Messi, they'll definitely win those two home games, uh, is that when Argentina are visiting Uruguay in August, Ecuador are visiting Brazil, so presumably also aren't going to get any points. Of course, Ecuador are two points behind Argentina. Are Argentina going to qualify by a method other than the playoffs for the World Cup? Can we see it? I don't know. We also if, have if they to... are without Messi for those three games, I mean. Yeah. 
But we also have to think that Ecuador and Peru are going to play each other, for example. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of teams that cancel each other out a bit, yeah. But Peru are seven points behind. I mean, they're not mathematically out of it, but they're not in terms of their own chances of qualification of leapfrogging Argentina. They're they're on 18 points. Yes, four points. Yeah, 18. Yeah. They but yeah, I, I think that fixture actually works. Sorry, it's their fourth not seven. That, that fixture works to Argentina's advantage because I, I, it's entirely plausible Peru win that, take mm. points of Ecuador. Mm. Yeah, I'm, they win I'm, against Peru, Venezuela at home. They they win the two home games. All right, exactly. I mean, maybe it's a play. Oh no, but, I but, you know, this they'll beat New Zealand or Tahiti. You, you hope. You, you would think, wouldn't you? Yeah. If they, Messi's there, <laughs> are, they, are they going to win those two home games? Well, that's the question. I mean, they'll beat Venezuela. It's also. Several months before the games, of course. Yeah. So sorry, disingenuous <laughs> to ask it now, but uh, yeah. But somehow, I I feel like uh, against Peru we could draw. For let's, let's say they should win the, both of them games. But it's it's going to be another Martin Palermo yeah. moment in the Monumental. Even that, either Peru. that or I don't know. I mean, and then the other question is, you know, if they go to Ecuador above Ecuador on the table. Set to defend, draw the game. They don't need to win. They're going to set out to defend anyway. Well, yeah. That's yeah. the charge. I think that's that's. And also, yeah, yeah, Ecuador are, are sliding. Have they? Uh, you know, have they got the wherewithal to yeah. to believe they could win that game? Like, yeah, I, I don't. I still think they'll be all right. But yeah, yeah. I, and even that, Ecuador have to play against Chile. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to to see all all in all the the, the, the picture because <laughs> we don't only have to think about. Argentina games. No, well, maybe. And, and Uruguay have, have you know, lost the last two. Maybe they've dipped slightly. To decline, and, yeah. They're also making something of a habit of going ahead and then losing games because mm. they did it against Peru, obviously on Tuesday. And, they did it against Brazil, Brazil and Chile, heavily, and they did the previous. The, I think the last two games of last yeah. year were both. They took a one 0 lead and then. Same so because if Argentina, Argentina and Chile win their matches, of course Argentina beats Uruguay and Chile uh, wins their next match. Uruguay will fall to into the fifth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, until the last round, it was like a sure qualifier. Not sure, but strong qualifier. Yeah. I hope you guys make it though. It'd be gutting for Tavares after all his. Yeah. They should problems. do. I mean, they should do, yeah. Yeah, Cavani's in really, form yeah. and, and yeah, Godin and Jimenez. Yeah. No, it'd take a massive collapse, an even bigger collapse than the one they're currently in. To, yeah. to see and the problem is that they haven't replaced Alvaro Rios. But what a man to replace. You can't replace him. Okay, it's but let's imagine the Argentina. Uh, and fifth, and we play the qualifier against the Ocean. Yeah, Ocean. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Australia, maybe. New Zealand, potential opponents. So, New Zealand, Pepsian, New Guinea. No, at the moment it would be either New Zealand or Tahiti. They're the two top teams in, yeah. uh, in the season. Tahiti, teams. that would be really funny, I guess. Anyway, even if we, we lose, that would be funny too. <laughs> where, where would it be played? I wonder. November? Something. Somewhere in Australia, right? It would have to be, no? No, they're playing Tahiti, why not? Yeah, would that one? Is there a big enough stadium? Oh, well, okay, my, my knowledge yes. of the Tahitian stadiums is, is limited. <laughs> by, right? I mean, I mean from, from the... T- Do you, are you expecting much travelling support? From, from How the, many are the Tahitian, <laughs> the Tahitian <laughs> FA's point of view, I'm thinking if they manage to get a game, or even from the New Zealand FA's point of view, if they manage to get a game... Well, you yeah, know, New Zealand can play... Lionel in, Messi is going they can to play in rugby stadiums. Of course, yes, and New Zealand have got the rugby grounds. You're quite right. But yeah, why not play in the biggest stadium you can get and try and get some ticket money? Could yeah. be a major payday. Or, or, or play in some tight, hostile little ground in whatever the capital try of Tahiti is. Qualify, try and beat Argentina. And, and, and Googling the, big, the biggest stadium in Tahiti and 11,000. 
Eleven thousand. Respectable. It's not as bad. It's like Olympia. 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 Well, altitude is definitely not going to yeah. be a problem though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it depends on what Tahitian, um, you know, uh, stadium capacity guidelines normally are. Because according to Argentine stadium capacity guidelines, Argentinos Juniors is twenty-five thousand, and if you drop that ground into the middle of London, it would be eleven or twelve thousand at most. That looks pretty oh, big for eleven thousand. That, and that, that weather conditions that picture are pretty much like that game in Uruguay yeah. when Palermo <laughs> scores. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. That looks. Yeah, they can fit more than eleven thousand. Right, I'm going to get started on press accreditation. <laughs> <laughs> See whether we can work out who wants to pay our expenses, and um, we'll go. Well, on. you want to go to the playoff between New Zealand and Tahiti first. Make sure you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah to get acclimatized. You know, yeah. you, know you want to know your position. Yeah. Even then, New Zealand is a great place to to do some tourism. Yeah. Tahiti, then New Zealand. I wouldn't complain either. Um, we're going to take a break now when we come back we will discuss uh, what was a surprisingly interesting um, I think weekend of football although I spent a a fair bit of it either drinking with John and therefore missing half the games or sleeping through the games Um, so I may not be able to comment too much myself but don't go away matches um, or not quite a full round because Independiente um, were the only club who took up the AFA's offer to postpone their match if they had any internationals called up as we said last week it's kind of just a farmer because it was their first choice goalkeeper who was called up um, the, we mentioned last week that their second choice goalkeeper Rayak said oh no I don't think that's the reason that they did it but I mean it obviously is <laughs> of course the second what choice else could it be? no it's not that they don't want me to go in goal yes it is shut up um, and I noticed in fact that Martin Campagna actually played for Uruguay um, against uh, the, in the first game of the double header which yeah, was at Brazil. home to Brazil thank you yeah um, because Muslera was suspended so uh, he did well didn't he lost 4-1 um, but anyway here we go the results from the 14 games that did take place were Patronato 1, Newell's Old Boys 1, Banfield 3, Union 1, Rosario Central 1, Tigre 0, San Lorenzo 3, Quilmes 0, uh, Gimnasia 1, Sarmiento 0, Racing 2, Godoy Cruz 1, Atletico de Rafaela 2, Estudiantes de la Plata 2, Colón 1, Lanús 0, San Martín 1, Boca Juniors 2, River Plate 2, Belgrano 1, uh, Tempele 2, Atletico Tucumán 2, Aldo Civi 2, Arsenal de Sarandí 1, and, uh, no, not, yeah, and, Belezasio uh, 1, Huracán 1, and Tacheres 1, Olimpo 0. Many congratulations to Mystic Des, who was our guest predictor last week, and got 10 of those correct. What? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, um, the predictor for this week has got some big boots to fill. Uh, but, gents, what did you... If indeed you paid very much attention to any of the games, what did you find particularly interesting this week? Oh, it was quite entertaining. I watched Racing, Boca and River. And they were three pretty good games. Obviously, Racing was the one I was paying most attention to. I didn't go because I was I was obliged to go to the theatre to watch some Norwegian experimental theatre. 
wasn't that good. But you the game was. Time on your phone watching the game instead. No, 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 no. I mean, I couldn't go to the stadium. I was home in time to watch it on TV. Ah, okay. And it was been a while since I've been, you know, so so riled up about a game. And all I've got to say is, well, uh, Balsa and Boys Argentina. Gustavo Well again after two assists in the first home game of Racing's uh, Racing's year against Cruz Lanús. Came with a last-minute goal to um, to beat Godoy Cruz. Unless anybody thinks that's too silly, he's also much more mobile than Aguero or Wayne at present. Oh, he's playing fantastic! And one of his teammates is playing for us. Yeah, now, so. no, he's playing really, really well. Like objectively speaking, even as as far as, far as I can be objective, which I think I am more or less. Indeed. And the laughter is purely for effect. Yeah. Huh. And boom, uh, you have to say in the last year he didn't really play that well, but. Um, now Diego Coca's back. It's kind of this. It's a brilliant partnership. Mm. And yeah, it turns out it wasn't Boa Milito in the first place. It was Boa Coca. Well, you know, I haven't watched a coach like Coca saying that the player is so fundamental for him. So uh, that if as as long as as he's fit, as he's uh, in physical form, he will include him into the into the team. Ah, uh, completely. It's like uh, like uh, something that is for sure. I, I mean, well. It, it, he didn't give the possibility to another striker. He said, if Bo is okay, I will put him into the team because it's something that goes more, it goes beyond the the, 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 the pitch. It's mm-hmm. like something like he feels he will respond yeah. him. And I think that's the reason that Bo stayed, more or less, because Coca came back. The other bright point for Racing was a young kid that came on off the bench against Gode Cruz, uh, Pablo Cuadra, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Block if we're going to translate his name. <laughs> and he came up with two assists and really got uh, Racing out of a hole. He's a kid. He's a kid who played in um, in the summer. I think he scored a goal against Atletico Tucumán in a game where Racing played kind of youngsters' reserves. And he's kind of the third really decent young player that's come through for, for Racing in, in the last couple of years. The first is uh, Brian Mancisha, who, who played for the under-20s in in the South American Championship. Hmm. Uh, Lautaro Martinez, who also played in the under-20s and was the star for Argentina of the, of the South American Championship. He scored the two vital goals against Venezuela. He scored the goal, uh, the winner against Colombia, the um, equaliser against Brazil. And they're kind of three kids who really do play well. They're kind of these, these strikers that Argentina just seem to be churning out who aren't kind of centre-forwards, but they're second strikers who can also play out wide in the... Uh, in the guise of Macri Correa, um, uh, these kind of these kind of players, so it's looking good. There was a time in Racing where they were kind of struggling to bring out young players, and now, yeah. you know, while we wait for Lisandro Lopez to to get fit again, it's definitely a little bit to, to get excited about. I don't think they're going to be this challenging for the title for this year, but the Copa Libertadores, which is the first five places I believe in the league, mm. is obtainable. These racing kids reminds me of Vieto, De Paul, Centurion, Farina, those kids that, that were good. Viola, that well, yeah. appeared when. Zuccolini so as well. Gears, the gear's going to be trying to keep their heads screwed on a little better than they maybe yes. did with that generation. With, I mean, obviously, Centurion's probably the best example of someone well, who's turned out to be not particularly well adjusted to professional Well, football. let's talk about Centurion because but he De was. Paul, as well as, you know. Yeah, let's talk about um, Centurion. That's quite a nice lead because well, he was pretty much the star of the weekend. He played a. True. Absolutely yeah. a fantastic game against. Perhaps not the best to draw that comparison for me, but yeah, go. Cool. 
No, he was fantastic. He scored uh, Boca's second goal of a 2-1 win. And mm-hmm. he just, you know, he's a guy, I think, I can't remember who said it. I think it was Bagani on, on TSA who said he's, He's the only dribbler left in Argentine football, which I think might be a little bit, you know, well, we know Pagani gets a bit carried away well, sometimes with Boca, but... He's, but he's wrong. He's wrong because Pidi Martinez is another one. Mm, yeah, you could say Pidi, but I think Centurion, he has got, you know, aside from the talent, he's got this kind of, um, you know, this will to just get the ball and he knows it's going to get kicked to fuck, but he doesn't care. He, he just wants to, you know, step over and take his man on. I saw an interview of him today after you know, after driving San Martin crazy and also getting his fair share of kicks. He's like he's talking to TSE on you know these guys who do the the lyrical ranking, which is basically you know the best tricks yeah. of the weekend. It's like ah oh, you know I did most of this just to get on your ranking. And he's this kind of guy you know I respect that. He's just he wants to have fun. He wants to you know wants to play about a bit. And he's absolutely mental. He's head case. Mm-hmm. But he's got some talent, definitely. They were two very different 2-1 wins because whilst Racing's was secured with two goals in the last eight minutes um, to come from behind uh, through... Is that Denis Gonzalez? No, he's... Diego. No, no, yeah, yeah. Polpita. Yes. Well, thank you. Diego Gonzalez. The leader of And Gustavo on ball in stoppage time. Um, Boca went 2-0 up shortly into the second yeah. half thanks to that Centurion goal. Christian Pavona scored the first. What a brilliant uh, goal that was. And then well. San Martín got a sort of consolation very mm-hmm. late on. Um, from what we saw of it, that was a fairly good game. I mean, I'd, yeah, I'd say Boca deserved. Boca were pretty comfortable with yeah. some team occasionally turning on the break, but um, exactly. but but it, it was exactly the kind of performance that they needed away from home in a relatively long journey to go to San Juan as well after having lost at home to Tacheres the previous weekend. Yeah. Uh, it's just the kind of pick me up they needed to make sure that they stayed top of the league. So. And with Fabra out, uh, Gago out, who's torn another muscle another. yeah he's out for a minimum of one game and probably three I think yeah. they said didn't they yeah there are things in life you can escape like taxes death cheating and a guy will injury yeah I guess hot journey because I, I watched that the, the game was suspended twice once per, per, per half half time because of the hot weather to drink water yeah, yeah. Because it still is that hot, even though we're now into autumn. And San Juan's uh, terrible, like. Yeah. And really that stadium is, I think, the coldest I've ever been at a football match. Really? That was the middle of winter, though. Yeah, that was at <laughs> um, uh, Venezuela beating Chile in the quarterfinal of the Copa in Sizzlon. Oh, right. I, I, I wouldn't say it's the coldest temperature I've ever been yeah. in, but it's the coldest I've ever been, because I was inadequately dressed. I wasn't <laughs> naked, don't think. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying yeah. that. Yeah, I've only been to San Juan Stadium once, which is for the Copa Argentina final between Racing and Boca. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty toasty. I've been drinking yeah. for a solid 36 hours, so <laughs> that definitely helped. As I'm sure that the fact that you were there closer to summer, because obviously... If it's wine country, it's going to be cold in the winter and, and relatively warm in summer, isn't it? No, that was August. Um, so it was pretty. August. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hell, you remember right. when they did the Copa Argentina, like the European season? Yeah, yeah. And basically, oh, never of finished course. It. Yeah. But definitely, copious amounts of uh, termidor out of a carton helped with that process. <laughs> wow, nice, nice image in my head. That's how you insulate yourself. Um, Later on on Sunday, River got a 2-1 win in the what NFL Paratoros called a Morbo Bowl um, <laughs> against Belgrano, uh, the, the big grudge match. Um, 
1-0 through Sebastián Riusi very early in the second half. Cristian Lema equalised for Belgrano after 58 minutes. And Gonzalo Martínez, the other dribbler in Argentine football, as Andres says, um, equalised. Uh, no, he didn't. He put them 2-1 up uh, with third of the game to go. Um, this was a game during which I was finding it quite hard to keep awake. I, I actually did fall asleep during that game. Too oh, many pints during my afternoon in um, the pub. I job. just haven't adjusted. I, I didn't drink in the pub. Just to <laughs> no, be clear, no, no, I, I was just true. struggling <laughs> to adjust to the uh, to the time difference. Um, so, Andres and Dan, what did you make of Rivers' victory? They played pretty well. It wasn't a particularly dominant performance. I think um, Bergrano had their chances to draw level, but then again, River missed one of. The easiest chances of oh. the century. Oh, I did see that actually. Yeah, that was, it was amazing. I think it was just it was better because there was three, there were three players lined up. Oh, I see. And yes. grabs yeah. it and just does the most pathetic. But it was a really stuff. bad cross, though. It was a kind of bobbling cross for no reason. Was that a bad cross? I thought it was nah, a terrible it, finish. It, it, it was a terrible finish, but and the, 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 the cross say, is um, like not a, a good brilliant cross. reaction from Acosta as well to come back and yeah. scoop it off the line. But. Well, that that game made my confidence to to grow because I I missed uh, a chance like that <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday. And yeah, I saw that. Was, okay, I'm not that bad then, so <laughs> I, I can feel good with myself again. I think we've all got those five side skeletons and skeletons in our closet, but. <laughs> but luckily they're not transmitted live on I haven't TV. and also yeah, we're not like paid a lot of money to play football that's the other big difference this is not <laughs> we're paid relatively little to write about football yeah uh, uh, speak for yourself Andres as the River fan who actually was paying attention to the game what did you think of it? I, I think that the, as, as I said the last episode this is the same because Ariel Rojas uh, brought some intelligence to the mid- mid- midfield uh, along with Nacho Fernandez, uh, with, this time with, with Poncio. They make a, a, a good uh, a mix of passes and coverage of the, of the midfield and I think that uh, uh, even with the, sec- the second goal, I think he, no, the first one, he had a, a good participation in that play. It was 14 or 15 passes uh, with Belgrano uh, players mm, even not, not touching the ball and uh, at the, I think the very best, best uh, first play of the of the second half. Uh, and yes, it was uh, those matches in which some time ago River would have or even lo- lost it or, or drew it because they suffer from a lack of concentration defense like always but finally they could uh, resolve the match with Peter Martinez who was in, I think in his best at his best moment since he came to River, he's played back to back decent games yes. now. Which yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, even with passing the ball, uh, uh, well, uh, Jonathan says he it was a bad uh, cross or a bad pass for for Andrade to, to score the third one. But uh, anyway, he's like uh, now he's playing for the team more yeah. than individual, individually or the, selfish the fact that he attempted to make the pass is an improvement yes. on what he was doing even a few weeks ago never mind for a lot of his first sort of six months to a year at the club um, yeah absolutely um, other big games of the weekend San Lorenzo looked good against Quilmes on Saturday uh, I thought. well they did once Quilmes gone down to town yes uh, I, I, I had that game on without paying a huge amount of attention and it seemed like not a huge amount happened a red card happened and three goals happened yeah um, well, I'd say there's only one team in the Argentine Primera who uh, have a 100% record in in 2017. That's Tacheres. Tacheres. Because they won't play one game. 
Two games. Oh, you're right, they played two games. But yeah. even if we take it for the first two games, they're the only one who've won their, but their first two games. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive considering you know, there's like 30 teams in the league. Did you catch any of their 1 0 win over Olimpo on Monday night? What do you think? But I thought it was, you know, nice to say, and they're actually pushing towards uh, Libertadores now. They are they're not yeah. too far away. We'll go through the standings in a second. I, uh, we should also mention Newells, who started the, the the round on Friday night. I say we should mention them because, of course, they are second in the table. Well, they were mm. uh, before, of course, San Lorenzo won to mean that they're now second again, and Newells are down to third. Mm. Um, but only in a one-one draw away to Patronato, which Patronato aren't having. That greater season, are they? I mean, mm. it's it. That's a surprise. As we as we said, the the, the last episode, it's a strange team. It's a team mm. which you can say, you can't say what it's like. It's mm. if they lose, oh, yeah, they right, draw. The yeah. win is it's something yeah. strange. Definitely, I'm surprised uh, with Patronato, and I'm going to say this because I'm from Rio, so I know the teams from Paraná. Uh, they try to seize every opportunity when they play uh, home games. Uh, because they don't use to, to or they don't tend to to stick to one plan. They just uh, move uh, forward with the people in, uh, and the people that go to, to 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 see the games. And well, you can say this with with all the clubs uh, that play home, but sometimes that uh, backfires. And you can see that with with Boca sometimes, for example, that they may be one on one with Union and they ended up losing the game in the final 10 minutes because of the nervousness they get from mm -hmm. the people but that doesn't happen with some other teams and Patronato is, is one example and that happened with the Nacional B and I think that's the way they get to, to Primera um, I think it's a valuable point for, for Newells to get one uh, yeah, right. well, got the draw at, 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 at Paraná and I still remember the 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 um, what I said when we started the the, the the championship that if Patronato gets to the to the Sudamericana, I'm going to pay pizza for everybody, and we're not uh, we're four points uh, behind Sudamericana, so keep watching. That, oh wow! Right, yeah, you're right. That that was Patronato's fourth draw of the season. To um, just underline again, as we said, they've not drawn an awful lot of games. They've got six wins and seven defeats. Yep, four draws. Um, elsewhere, good wins for Banfield over Union. Um, and a surprisingly entertaining match between Atletico de Rafaela and Estudiantes, which you would not have expected to end in a draw if you haven't watched Estudiantes for the last Well, Claudio Vivas or well, Estudiantes uh, team will say, well, we should have done the same than Independiente, that Independiente did, because they had Andujar in the national team, mm. and Daniel Zappa was the one who was in charge of the goal. And it was the man who was previously earlier in the season called up to yes. replace Andujar when he got injured and didn't do a very good job well in this, in this case he had an awful uh, yeah. match and, and he well had a bad uh, uh, there was a cross and he of, of course he did a bad uh, coverage of the of the goal and, mm. and, and, and that's why Rafaela scored the, the equaliser the second goal and was the the final score 2-2 two -two. Yeah, at Estudiantes, um, uh, regular listeners will remember, had a very bad run at the end of last year, at the beginning of this year. But last week, had finally managed to end it with their first win in about six games. Uh, a 1-0 win at home to Patronato. So, yeah, to see them now draw against Atletico, who are 
not quite the worst team in the league, but not very far off being the worst team in the league, um, really suggests that they haven't actually sorted their issues out at all. But is this not just uh, Nelson Vivas's Arsenal heritage is, you know, his apprenticeship, I'm the Wenger coming through, and he's now settling for, you know, top four place, Copa Libertadores, and he's going to be happy. Well, when he was at Arsenal, I don't think that was the Arsenal's problem, was it? Quite so much. No, that was the beginning. for about the last 10 years, right? <laughs> yeah, but he was playing 89, I guess. When yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think he was part of an Arsenal at one stuff. I know it's quite hard to remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure he won at least an FA Cup or something with them, which... And Arsenal were desperate, you know, if you get off of them fourth this season, they'd bite your hand off. Yeah. Indeed. Better uh, get Vivas in. They're, they're, currently, <laughs> they're currently 30th, so um, we're talking about Arsenal, of course, um, <laughs> who, who managed just their eighth point. No, they didn't because they lost, which means that they're still on only eight points. One draw, that's wrong, one win and five draws. I apologise, by the way, for all of the traffic background noise in this at the moment. If you think this is bad, then you should hear the stuff I've had to cut out in the last 20 minutes. Uh, it's getting infuriating. It's kind of, it's not rush hour, is it? No, it's not. It's just dickheads <laughs> on this particular corner of my block. It's, it's really annoying. Um, yeah, Arsenal is shit. They lost two on the way to Albacibi, and that's all we have to say about it. So the standings, having given that very... One more thing we can say is that it would be really, really funny if uh, Arsenal went down with Umbertito Grandana in charge. That would be... And, and they were... They were, Sweetest, yeah. they were Sweetest of ironies possible. They had a 1-1 draw, which is, well, perhaps it's a good result uh, as a, uh, a way condition for the CV. And, and, they, and the CV got the 2-1, the second goal, when the, the match was about to end. So mm-hmm. it's it's really frustrating for a team. With, yeah. It's down in the tables, in both tables, the relegation and the and the positions table, not to hold even a, a draw, 1-1 draw. Yeah, parking the bus and, you know, hoping for the best. Yeah, 88th minute was Albert City's winner. Um, the deal with Pablo Luarcia. <laughs> he's still strong. He's still going. He's still going. That's the amazing thing. The standings at present are Boca Juniors top of the table with 37 points, San Lorenzo second 34, Newell's Old Boys third 32. Don't worry, John, we're not going to go all the way down the table. Um, Estudiantes have 31 in fourth, Banfield have 30, River have 29. For the moment, that's where I'm going to stop because there are a bunch of clubs just two points below. I apologise, Dan, because we're asking on one of them. Um, in the relegation table, having just talked about it with Arsenal, very, the, very arbitrary dividing of the table here, I think. Indeed. And taking Racing out of it. But there we go. Um, astonishingly, Arsenal are not quite in the relegation zone at the moment, but having been just three or four or two places above it all season. They're now only one point above it, one place above it, I should say. The relegation zone at the moment is Atletico de Rafaela, Tempele, Sarmiento, Olimpo. We remind you that the relegation table is not the same as the league table. Um, Did they talk about changing that? I mean, was there any thought that you might? No, have never. It was never up for uh, discussion. There, there have been a few rumours that once they've got the league back down to twenty teams, they might scrap it. If that uh, happens, but it's very much up in the air at the moment. No, is there a new offer? So perhaps. Mm. Is there any evidence that Argentinian kids are better at division because of it? That'd be interesting. Given some of the stuff that's been going around about the school system in the last few days, it's not a question I'm going to be putting to anybody. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, though, I did those tests online and I got one, and I got one wrong. I must say, basically because I misread the question. Then. How many are there? Though? No, it was a little thing on La Nación where they gave you like five sample questions mm-hmm. and if they, if you got any one of the five wrong, you were an idiot, basically. I got one of the five wrong. <laughs> it's brave, brave of you to admit it. 
Air mass, who needs it? But, uh, yeah, just to People working at the navigation table. I suppose yeah. you could just read it. Just it. Yeah. Just you could read just it, read it, yeah. Someone's going to sort it out for you. Atletico, the only, Atletico de Rafaela, the only uh, club who still have yet to get a point per game um, over the three and a half years that this table's been... Three and a half? Two and a half years that this table's been yes. um, in operation for. Tempele, Samiento and Olimpo are the other three clubs. Tempele have exactly a point a game, incidentally. Um, and then in 26, uh, Arsenal who have 0.12 of a point per game more than Olimpo. That sounds complicated, but fortunately they've both been in the Primera for the whole time, which means that we can just look at their points totals and tell you. Which means Arsenal are one point better off than Olimpo. So if Olimpo win and Arsenal don't this weekend, Arsenal are dropping into the relegation zone for possibly the first time since Julio Rondona took charge of the Alpha. That's not quite Why is it three seasons as well? Why not Why not make it 50 if you really want to keep the big teams up there? <laughs> because uh, when this was... And also, can office. we have this in England so someone never get relegated because of our form in the 1890s? <laughs> um, sorry. <coughs> is is that oh, okay. the last 50 seasons there, John? Sorry? Is that in the last 50 seasons? Uh, no, no, I, I was... I'm saying 120, 120 then. 125, yeah, let's yeah. go back right to the start. Sorry, but to, to, to answer the question because it's, maybe someone... Thought of it and never I made the question on Twitter when this was created. If I not recall wrong, this was 1998. If I don't recall, well, for the promedio, yeah, no, uh, it was earlier than 82. Um, but, I mean, John wasn't seriously asking the question why. I mean, he, you're talking no, no, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm genuinely intrigued as to what, if you're going to rejig it to have 30 teams, mm. why not? I mean, of all the kind of compounded madnesses. <laughs> why keep why, this one yeah, yes. why not award the championship on this basis <laughs> yeah but back <laughs> then back we then, then, San Lorenzo winning yeah. it we never we never thought by some distance oh no by three points out of Boca sorry yeah, totally no problem yeah, we never thought that a, a, a team a big team would have a bad season at all and I think that that and I, I'm pretty sure of, of this I remember that River in 1997 had when it, it wasn't the last one because it was Ferro mm-hmm. obviously but it, it got like 10 points in, in that tournament. And that was like the beginning of all the, the big teams having bad seasons and obviously starting to drop in the... the, the, the but it was brought in after Racing got relegated, wasn't before, it? Before. Which is even worse. Before, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> system brought in to protect the top five teams and Racing still went down. Imagine right. how bad they were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, With and games Rass- to spare as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. games to spare. Racing, San Lorenzo uh, did um, the, the the game with the, the the championship or the national uh, the the game they played. I remember the, the playoff. The, the playoff, right? Uh, San Lorenzo played played a, a playoff. Yeah. Racing two or three? Racing in two thousand eight, but they went down before in nineteen eighty three. Yeah, yeah, which was after the Premier. Yeah. And they spent two years so in the, 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 it was, brought, was it brought in specifically to protect Racing? Or was it brought in to protect River? I think River? it was to protect River. Yes. Yeah. In 82. And yeah. then Racing had like two really bad there, seasons. There, there is a chapter on this in, in my book, Angels of Dirty Faces, which you can buy still. Mm. I just can't remember because I'm old. <laughs> but it's, oh, I've written it down, so it's fine. John's book, incidentally, the, re- the reason that John is here this week is surprisingly not to attend the 250th episode recording of Hand the Pot, um, but uh, to uh, launch the Spanish-language edition of Angels with Dirty Faces, and how's that gone for you? It's John? gone fantastically well. Um, I mean, essentially, there are two groups of people in the world who you can guarantee will be late with anything. 
One is the Latin people. I think Latin comes from the word late. Um, <laughs> the, the, the Lazio region of Italy is people who are late. And the other is publishers who are habitually late. Put them together and you're very, very late. And so the translation hasn't, hasn't been done in time. So the Buenos Aires Literary Festival apparently is still going ahead without my book. Um, oh, and I, I've now sure been de-invited from it. So I'm going to pack going into walk. And I'll probably be back in about six months to, to launch the thing again. What we look or six to, years, who knows? I mean, we, we look forward to seeing you about the pod 500 when it gets launched. Um, the teams just above the relegations, and then are Arsenal, though, as I say, just one point above it. Um, Quilmes, Huracan, Venice once again back in the conversation. We keep on saying, ooh, that draw or win for Venice last weekend looks like it's finally lifted them out of trouble, and then they have a couple of bad results in a row and are right back in there. Um, still very much in the conversation. And I think probably that San Martino, the last club, really in with a real yeah, danger. Yeah. I mean, San... Defensive Justicia, 10 points clear of Olimpo. Apart from Arsenal, uh, so... who's out of the, I thought they were in the relation zone at the end. Are there many differences between the top, bottom of the table, of the league table, and the relegation? So again, right, the relegation okay. zone and the relegation table at the moment. Rafaela, Tempele, Sarmiento, Olimpo. At the bottom four of the actual league table are Arsenal, Belgrano, San Martin, and Tempele. So the only one of those teams Tempele. that's in the bottom four in both tables are Tempele. Um, Vélez are just above the bottom in, in both tables. Or Akana sort of down there-ish, but not that far down. Um, yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's remarkable. I'm going to go Rafaela. Uh, currently 18th in the top mm -hmm. flight so they'd actually be in the top flight even if it was only 20 teams and yet they're in the relegation zone yes. of a 30 team top flight work that one out anyway we're going to move on very swiftly to listeners questions we've had a fair few this week I think um, mm -hmm. I'll also read out a couple of no I won't bother reading out those comments actually they're from a week ago um, Phil Carney says uh, is telling Dan to get Wilson Telt whatever that means did he explain to you what that meant? no I never got a a decent uh, explanation. It's Dutch earlier. Um, anyway, sorry, it's Dutch apparently because you said that uh, your Twitter was showing it's translated from Dutch. Yeah, they gave me the option to translate that phrase from Dutch. So there you go. I didn't take it up. He, he wants you to do something to John, so we'll uh, save that for the uh, the meal after. But it's uh, I mean, is that, is that not a is that purely northeastern expression? I've no idea. To get somebody to help us, just to tell them what's going on. Like, oh, okay. Set, oh, set straight. So it's not Dutch. It's Norwegian. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I assume that was kind of general slang, but it, maybe it's just northeastern slang. Yeah. Uh, Chris Hartley says, maybe, uh, no, that's, oh no, sorry, that's a recommendation to somebody else. Thank you for recommending us, Chris. Um, Vincent has tweeted in some predictions for the weekend, which I shall read out in a little while. La Liga Gao says, how good have Tacheres been this season? Lovely football against Olimpo. Yes. Excellent, yeah. Very. We sort of I'm glad it. someone's keeping tabs on Tashiris. Yeah. Well, we sort of said that they would be at the start of the year because, Tony, you were on our uh, season preview. Not the start of the year, sorry, the start of the season, back yes. in August. Mm. You came on our season um, season preview pod and you mentioned that Tashiris have a lot of money and they've, they've spent big. Um, they're, of course, owned by the same people who own... Uh, Pachuca. Pachuca, thank you, in Mexico. So they're one of uh, very, very few clubs in Argentina. Yeah, but sorry to interrupt some. Go on. But at the beginning of this year, uh, calendar year, mm -hmm. uh, but the, the people that own Pachuca and were owning Tacheres uh, started to get distance and to let Tacheres oh, right. live on their own. <laughs> okay. Then I don't know how that's going to go. So it's going to be interesting. Go, Next season's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes. Maybe. 
Um, but yeah, certainly this season they've, they've been cracking. And as we made the point, Andres and I last week, um, they played really well against Boca and Monero. They put in the sort of performance and with the sort of attitude that you wish more teams would put in when they're going away to River and to Boca to actually try and take to Boca specifically. Is well, right. of course. Yeah, <laughs> no. The, you do see this sort of effect of sometimes being a bit cowed by the stage mm. at, at, at teams playing against River for the first time in a while. And so. they also have a very uh, clever uh, coach, Kudelka, mm. ah, knows how to... Yeah, he's a wildly old he's, he's very he's good. Wild performer. With uh, Union, uh, made a very good job and with the Shadows going yeah. very well so far, so... What are we, sort of uh, Argentine Pulis, we're saying? Argentine <laughs> Pulis? <laughs> I don't know, maybe... Right. Especially when Tacheres and West Brom have the same colours. Yeah, so this is that's true. another reference, I guess. There we go. Uh, Tariq Al Haider, who I think I'm correct in saying, I might be wrong on two counts here, um, but I'm going to risk it and say I think he's our only listener in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Says, How realistic is this? He also follows it up immediately by saying, I know it's only a pipe dream, but you have to dream. He says, How realistic would it be to think that? Messi can use his leverage from his contract situation to ensure that San Paoli gets both the Barcelona and the Argentina jobs. <laughs> Is that the dream situation? I think San Paoli's going to have to pick one or the other, to be honest. But you don't think Barcelona are going to let him do it part time? No. Argentina would definitely let him do it. Can you imagine the stress of coaching both Barcelona and Argentina? You'd have an embolism within six months. And he gets sent off six times a season anyway, so. But even in a dream situation, it was it was like suggested, like it could have been done with even Simeone. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, when when yeah when there was no coach. But there's a difference between Atletico desperately clinging on to Simeone or Barcelona. Barcelona would expect. No, there's no way you can do the. But then again, there's there's really pressure to to coach Barcelona. I mean, yeah, it's, massive, a, it's, a, it's a really pressure. big club, but do you really have, you know, the the, the starting eleven almost big itself? No, the pressure's enormous. I mean, the, every coach you've had yeah. comes out of the going, I'm absolutely yeah. exhausted. Luis Enrique, two years ago, won the treble. Yeah, you know, he could do it, and now he's absolutely fucked. Gerardo Martino took charge of Barcelona, went on a club record unbeaten run, and they were all calling him shit during the run. Well, okay, but I mean... For, for, for one side, again, there is a lot of trophy to, to, to live up and an expectation and a success you have to to uh, keep up all the time. And that's uh, something to, 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 to be pressured off. But then again, there's a, I think, and I don't want to, to sound like I can go on to Barcelona tomorrow and, <laughs> and try to manage uh, Barcelona, but... But you I could, think it's right. a different kind of pressure, if you know what I mean, you know? No, but it's enormous. I mean, yeah. you know, Luis Enrique could end up winning eight of the nine trophies that he's tried to win in three years, and he'd still be regarded as being, all right. you know, yeah, he right. did okay. You know, he, he, he was sort of forced out when he was, you know, had, had won five out of six and was still looking good for another three. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, no. In fairness, he got forced out between the two legs of the PSG tie, so not maybe not good for another three. But well, it, yet. it turns out yeah. <laughs> that actually, yes, good for another three. Um, no, on a world football level, there's there are very few jobs there. I mean, there's pressure. The, there's, there's the politics around it. You know, it's. Mm. Uh, no, I, I think it's in, in some ways Barcelona is is the highest pressure job there is in club football. 
Yeah, not far off. I mean, Madrid's not far behind. They give but everything, but they on. also take everything from you because yeah. well, that's, uh, Guardiola said that he won't be any, anymore there. Uh, he won't mm. uh, coach, be the coach of Barcelona anymore. And mm-hmm. what? Uh, so the short answer, taking your question on face value, is, is not very realistic at all. Um, and even if we're not taking it on face value, it's still not. Well, very maybe realistic. that's the way to relieve pressures to do it part time. Yeah, take the Argentina job, which is just a stroll in the park as a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, it's, it's just it's like playing football manager, really, isn't it? Yeah, living Buenos Aires, phone through your team selection on a, on a Saturday morning. Yeah, it's fun. So, are you positioning yourself for the job, John? Oh, I take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean the money would be sensational. Imagine, imagine the book I get out of it. Even if it was only like a week that I lasted. Well, you do it for six months. You get sacked. You take the paycheck. You write <laughs> you, a book you about it. Book, yeah. You're sorted. You never have to work again. And then you probably get a job at like Ravalcana two years later anyway. Yeah, Just or as a pundit, you can go and speak like Gary Neville. You know, even, like, <laughs> even less well, at Valencia. And when Martino resigned, Martino resigned as the coach of the national team. He wasn't desperate to to look for another job. He was. Sit in a chair in a cafe, joining uh, with friends. He was at least he was happy. So yes, money is not a problem. Yeah, talking about Martino, uh, I see people talking about uh, his job at Atlanta United and asking for grab their Argentina team again. And it's like Oof. I like the, I like the MLS and I follow the MLS, but that that's he's doing too I mean, much. He's had an amazing start there. Mm. Yeah, he's doing a good job, but really. <laughs> Are you seriously talking about again? Well, he, he would, again? I mean, there's no way he'd take it, right? I mean, he's only been out of the job for three weeks. No, he'd have to be an idiot to leave the MLS. Yeah. But I also kind of think that there's a degree of that, which I, I, I agree. Obviously, you have sort of... People aren't really looking at the performances. They're just thinking, oh, maybe he wasn't that bad after all. Because now we've seen what the alternative was. <laughs> um, but speaking of, as, as we were a minute ago, of, of your books, John, uh, Tariq has another question, which is specifically for you. He says, how instrumental was Bilal's shift to 3-5-2 for winning the 1986 World Cup? Oh, it's huge, I think. I mean, uh, um, I think there's a couple of things there. One is that um, football at that time was ripe for that innovation, that Bilal was not the first. Um, that you had Sepiontek with Denmark, you had Joe Blazevic with um, Dynamo Zagreb. People had realised that if, if you were playing into 4-4-2 and the wingers weren't getting pushed on, you didn't need fullbacks, so you could use one player to cover two positions effectively. Then you get an extra man in defence and an extra man in midfield. So you've got an extra man fighting for the ball in your own box. You've got an extra man to win the ball in midfield and to hold the ball in midfield. So that was very much sort of the, the cutting edge thinking. And then you look at the players Argentina had at the time, and it worked perfectly with them. That um, uh, to, you know, to have Batista sitting in front of a back three, being able to spray the ball about. Um, yeah, he was ideal for that. Um, Justin Latakacheo were perfect for uh, as wing backs, and then the shift they made after the Uruguay game, yes, so before the England game for the quarter final, of playing Maradona not as a midfielder but as a, as a number ten, as as, you know, as playing behind Baldano. It was yeah, it, it got absolutely the best out of him. He had that platform there of potentially you know six defensive players behind him in the middle. Plus you know, two wingers as well. So, and with Boishaga, you know, making those sort of shuttling runs to, to link with him, it, it was sort of perfectly balanced. So it's a combination of being, you know, in the avant-garde of a, of a, of a tactical movement that was happening, and it suited the players that they had. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you know he tried it on that eighty-four tour of Europe, 
nobody really sort of picked up what he was doing. Then he hid it away until after the Uruguay game. So he's very smart. It's exactly the same as what Alf Ramsey did. I mean, it's, anyway, the, the bizarre parallels you see between Argentinian football repeatedly, that Ramsey in 66 worked out this way of playing. You have what we now call 4-4-2, but nobody really appreciated what it was at the time because it was so new. Mm. He tried it in friendlies. It worked. So he hid it away for the group stage where England didn't need it mm. and brings it in for a quarter-final against Argentina. But that was exactly the same and brings out his new system for the quarter-final against England. And it was in those quarter-finals that both teams, I think, recognised, actually, this is ours. This is, we're the best team here. So it was yeah, hugely important. I wonder, given that Argentina's current problems are obviously manifold, but one of the things that, that, that I found being at the stadium for the Chile game last Thursday was it was really obvious just how little width they were getting out of the full-backs. And so I wonder whether a return to something like a 3-5-2 might be worth trying, no? Because, I mean, they, I mean on the one hand, they're not getting width out of full-backs because, I don't know, Bowser's told the full-backs don't go further than the halfway line or something. But possibly the fullbacks who are going to get forward. I mean, you haven't got a then, Pablo Silva. Then who do you put as wing-back? You can have Di Maria as no, a wing-back. you can put a wide midfielder. Why not? Like yeah. who? Yeah, Di Maria on the left. I mean, he's never done it. I, I mean, no. he, he has the characteristics that you think it's not totally no, he might be good at it. I mean, in terms of the system, though. I mean, to, to play a sort of 3 4 two, one. Because if you have a problem with it, you can't produce any good attacking fullbacks, which Argentina apparently at the moment aren't doing. But can they produce any good defensive ones? I mean, they just can't produce any fullbacks, yeah. right? Precisely. So why not just ditch the fullbacks, go for a back? Have they got? Have they got? I, mean, I suppose he played Mascherano as a centre back then. Yeah. Yeah. I think about it. But I don't know. I mean, no. It's tough. I mean, yeah. I think three, you know, three, four, two, one is very sort of vogueish. It it worked really well for England against Germany last week, even though England lost. Sort of, it seemed to suit those those players. Although even then, I was looking at that team thinking, why does Raheem Sterling fit here? If England play Raheem Sterling, I think. It obviously works incredibly well for for, for Chelsea. It's very good for Tottenham when they've used it. But you have to have the right type of players, and that means you've got to find wing backs who are comfortable doing that. I mean, what well, you you play Di Maria on the left, maybe against you know, Venezuela or yeah. Paraguay or somebody's going to sit back against you. Can you play him there against Brazil? Can you play him there against a team no. that plays wingers? Of course you can't. No, of course not. But in games where where you're expected to be on top, as as Dan was putting it earlier, in, in games where you have to be Argentina playing at home, trying to keep possession, trying to to win the game on your own. But surely shirts. you can you serve better if you come up with this you know this front three. You can put Di Maria on the left, uh, Messi on the right, and then in the middle, Iba Iguain or Prato, who you want. Would you have and then Di Maria a proper you know. Well, I'd have no, but I think more important is behind having a properly mobile mm-hmm. attacking midfielder. This is where Argentina always fall, fall flat yeah. because you end up with Machirano and Villa in the middle, and you know it's just a contest of who can play the most five-yard passes between each other. But then again, we have players to to come the, back. The and, players and, are and, there. The players but, are no, there. But no, but not only Di Maria. Then again, when uh, going back to the point against Venezuela. That uh, Gaetan and and, and Lamela yeah. play and Lamela is doing that kind of job with Pochettino. Oh, I don't know Gaetan with, yeah. but I suppose that he does it with Simeone. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that yes. that yeah. that Simeone wants a play a player that doesn't defend at all. Um, but then then you have players that can come back and do a, a kind of win back uh, role if you want to call it that way. Mm-hmm. And Mascherano 
you can drop it to to the, to be a center back mm -hmm. like Barcelona and have another midfielder there and it's not it's not that far off but you have to uh, resign the idea that you should have to call uh, Di Maria or mm -hmm. Aguero like um, something automatic that you do when you are the the, the national team coach yeah. uh, you you have to understand the role the players uh, are, are playing in your team and not just put 11 guys that play well in their clubs and well do your do your stuff and win the game that was yeah. actually Bausa said that he's doing like yeah. okay Argentina plays to win right. and that's yeah. it for example well Dybala has a problem with an injury and but he has never had the opportunity to play like he did in Juventus mm -hmm. with the at the national team and that's something necessary to put team, uh, players that are good in their teams mm -hmm. very good in their teams because Dybala and Iwain are, are like the owners of the attack of Juventus mm -hmm. to put them together in the national team but I mean could, could you obviously yeah, I mean, you're completely right but yes. could you, can you do that when Messi's there which you can yes I mean obviously he's not there for the next three games maybe that is a solution for the next three games but I don't know how you play Dybala like that and Messi in the same team. It's a question to... Unless, to well, unless you play the 3-4-2-1 and you use Messi and Dybala behind it. Going unless with the, you know, with the advancing years, Messi's eventually going to drop back and become this kind of yeah, creative like midfielder. midfielder yeah. Yeah. Like, like Wayne Rooney did so successfully. <laughs> well, if we're going to compare Messi with Rooney, then we're starting from slightly different uh, launching points. I'm going to have Neymar tonight. Like, uh, I'm going to have neighbors with that comparison today. <laughs> I'd love to see, you know, a scenario in the future where Dybala becomes so indispensable that it means Messi can drop back and just become, you know, not a number 10 because that position doesn't exist anymore, but a creative advanced midfielder that just feeds the ball for him. Yeah. That would be brilliant. And I think all of Argentina yeah, would benefit from that. that. That's the problem. We the question is, can it happen with Messi being Messi and, And this figure. We're going to try and get through the last few questions pretty quickly because okay. we've already gone on for some time. Uh, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says deserve River win two well worked goals, but they made hard work of it. How did Andrade miss that chance at the end? We've not really answered that one, but we did oh, ask the same question. John blames Speedy. No, I, I don't blame him. He still should have scored it, but I don't think the pass made it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the pass made it not a 9.9 out of 10 chance, but a 9.7 out of 10 chance. <laughs> but uh, keeping the ball properly, I think it would have been a goal. It, essentially, <laughs> essentially we, we'd like to know as well. Um, and Liam also asks, no Messi, no World Cup. Argentina without Lionel Messi are ordinary. Three chances to prove their worth or it could be over. Appeal pending. And yeah, I think we sort of right. really answered that one earlier on in the evening. We, by and large, agree. Um, Martin Steinbach says... Is there a bright future ahead for the AFA with Tapia as president? We have to answer this one politely because he did include the AFA in that tweet, so possibly they'll be listening to this. Um, yes, oh, definitely. I'm sure, I'm sure. Of course he's the best. I man. couldn't be more optimistic about the glorious future um, our dear leaders. May, maybe waste provide. disposal is for Link. Maybe go for Eve Renner. Leave, uh, maybe he's going to just take out the trash. You know? Yeah, Renner, former waste disposal manager from France, who won the... the um, Couple of nations with Zambia and Cote d'Ivoire. Well, there we go. Tapia has illustrious predecessors. Lure him away from Morocco. So, what you're saying is that he, that he should appoint himself as manager <laughs> for the national team? No, I, I'm, I'm saying that maybe that, that waste disposal link. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, they, 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 can, they can pursue that. They, they can, and they can lure Renard in 
but oh, condescending kind of yeah. high level conversations about waste management. It's it's an intriguing idea. Um, I don't think anybody should get too excited by the AFA's new, brand new, because as we said already, they they elected them against no opposition whatsoever. Elected, yeah. Um, they elected them hours before uh, we started recording. Um, I don't think we should get too excited about the, the capacity for renewal at the AFA. It's going to be a little bit more stable than it has been for the last sort of year, year and a half under the FIFA Normalisation Committee. Um, but that's about as much as we can say, basically. When, when you told that, that the, the, the last round of uh, first division of Argentine football was, uh, if you wanted, you played it. If, and if you didn't want, you didn't play it. Hmm. That shows the new AFA. So yeah. I don't think... There will be any any changes, but well, oh, oh, I guess I, I I hope I am I am wrong. Indeed, uh, Tin Man asks: Do any of the podders have Primera B or below teams that they like to follow or watch as well? Um, once again, we're obliged to mention. I think he means Nacional B, which is the second division. Primera B is the third. Um, so lower division sides that we like to follow, guys. I don't really. Argentinos coming up or? Possibly. Um, well, it's got to be. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. got to be Atlanta. It's got to be Atlanta. Because, of the, because we're close to... Argentina Juniors, Atlanta, Guillermo Brown, Porto Madryn. And I follow the, the teams from Entre Rios because of my connection. Because I was born there. But that's it. I, I think that those teams are in Atlanta because we are from the same neighborhood yeah. with, with Dan. So. Guillermo Brown and Argentinos are currently the top two teams with a little bit of... Uh, Guillermo Brown have got 43, Guillermo Argentinos Brown. have got 42 and then there's a four-point gap to Chacarita. Guillermo Brown so from Puerto like And Almagro, which is the neighbourhood of Sam, so watch it. <laughs> Indeed, yes. But they don't play here. No. <laughs> pretty no. They play outside the city, don't they? Yes. In, um, Jose Ingenieros. Thank you. 3 de Febrero, yeah. Uh, Tom Robinson says if Bausa gets the boot in the near future who can Argentina realistically have to get we went through this one already earlier Gachardo at the end of the year perhaps uh, at the end of the year maybe it's because River contract will be up but they can't really afford to wait that long if they're going to make the change can they? I think Gachardo really wants to go to, to River uh, to Argentina they'll let them go six months later but it's, it's yeah. also let, let's uh, I'm trying to be quick here but Let's imagine that Argentina does qualify to, to the World Cup. It wouldn't be too far off to have six months to, to prepare and say, Gachardo, you have six months. You have a couple of, of friendlies. It's yeah, but I think if Bowser stays until August and gets him into the World Cup, they're going to let him have a go at the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, probably. But because he is a tournament it, specialist. Of course, it. but uh, in another hand, it's not that far off to think, okay, mm. Marcelo, do your best. I think if there's going to be a change, it's going to be now. Yeah, probably. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Or, or if not now, then it's on June, which from a World Cup qualifying point of view is also now. Yeah. Uh, Tom also asks, also any chance of a call-up for Papu Gomez? I just he's playing well. He's, he's 29, so he's not sort of ridiculous. Yeah, but he's playing really well in Italy. Yeah. Well, it's not yeah. Canigia in 2002 mm. either. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, it's an option, it's an option. I mean, he's been playing well in Serie A, at least for the last year, year and a half. He's the, like the Palacio when he played well, yeah. more or less. He's a, li- he's a little bit more dynamic than Palacio, I think. But I think I think it's fair to say whoever you really sort of go for. Um, Argentina, if Argentina don't have a problem, then it's you know options up front for the people yes. who could be replacing well, them. Gotta be dickheads over there at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, any number of them. Um, the next music that you hear is Mystic 
who did I say earlier? Vincent's theme music. And the predictions that you'll be hearing this week in an attempt to beat Des's magnificent 10 out of 14 last week are Mystic Vincent's predictions for the 18th round of Primera matches. Okay, here we go. I hope that he sent these in in the same order that they appear on the fixture list. Um, he's going for Atlético Tucumán to get a home win over Gimnasia La Plata, Independiente to beat Vélez Sarsfield de Avellaneda, Newells to beat Atlético de Rafaela in Rosario in what ought to be the least controversial prediction of the weekend, I think. Um, draw in Temple de Salvo City, Racing to get an away win over Quilmes, Belgrano and Colón also to draw in Cordoba. Boca Juniors to get a home win over Defensa y Justicia. Estudiantes to beat Arsenal de Sarandí in La Plata. Lanús to beat Banfield in the Clásico del Sur on mm -hmm. Sunday. A draw between Sarmiento and Rosario Central in Junín. Um, San Lorenzo to get an away win over Tigre. Huracan to get a home win over Patronato, River to beat Godoy Cruz in Mendoza, Olimpo to get a win against San Martín, and Unión to beat Tacheres. That's great. I think you're sticking your neck out for the last one, but otherwise, Godoy, River to beat Godoy Cruz in Mendoza might be tricky as well. Godoy Cruz looked very good a couple of weeks ago against San Lorenzo mm -hmm. um, at home. Obviously, away they, they have suffered a bit throughout the season, but in their own stadium they look rather better. But any others that you'd particularly argue with, James? Well, we have to think if Independiente plays because it's they, true. They, they keep kicking off the the. No, it's a kind of I thought maybe he got injured. In which case, they they might have. Uh, no, 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 super. Um, that's it. That was Hand of Pod episode two hundred and fifty. So thank you very much to everybody for um, being silly enough to keep listening to us for such mm. a long time. Really, we're going to go off and get a celebratory steak now. Um, so enjoy this weekend's football and we'll see you or you'll hear from us again this time next week thanks very much from Andres goodbye from John bye my book from Tony bye everyone from Dan farewell and from me goodbye <laughs>